Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by my two beautiful co-hosts. I'm Vince Vance. And I'm Daphne Malfitano. And we are the ones who delivered you a kick-ass inaugural episode. We are so (laughs) happy and so thankful for everybody who reached out on social media and through DMs and shit and, you know, sent unsolicited dick pics. That's fine. We're going to file a restraining order, probably. (laughs) Um, But we're just looking at you, Brian. But, um, no, I mean, the thing is, is that there's no Brian. Brian. This is stupid. Um, so, um, <laughs> we're just going to, we're creating a file. It's okay. Yeah, we'll it's fine. Yeah, no, listen, thanks. We, we're, we're so happy that the reception's been so good. This is something we, we all genuinely love and we love sharing with you and we really enjoyed it. So what's everyone's thoughts been on last week? You've had a week to sort of ruminate on the primordial gods and their sort of ineffable nature. What, what really stuck with you? Were there any stories that you loved yeah i mean they're cooler now that i know more about them one uh two i was in the episode and i'm still thinking about (laughs) i like listened to the episode after it came out like whoa i need to rethink about this and write some stuff down so there's like it's like kicked off a lot of other thoughts which is kind of cool because it like mirrors the way that they kick off the rest of like existence yeah that's totally how i feel too i feel like this was like a really it was a really good um sort of pre, uh, I don't know, an entryway to the world of the mm-hmm. Greek gods. It like felt like a really nice place to start, like the intro chapters. Um, get you know, I, I, We can kind of see where you're going through them, but there's just like so much more to come that now I'm just psyched. Yeah, it also makes like the, the shit that I do know just feel less random in terms of like Greek mythology. Like I know all these like random pieces and fragments and stuff that are just kind of floating around. Um, and so this is like starting to kind of put them, put them in somewhat of an order that like makes it, yeah, like it's like some sense to be made there, which is cool. I've had the same experience in like researching like for the podcast where like, like yeah. three <laughs> out of the 12 Titans, I'm like, oh, I know her. And then they're like, oh, who's this one? And I'm like, I have no fucking clue. I've never heard. That's not. I, I need to see some ID because I don't know how you got here, but you're allegedly I'm a Titan. <laughs> I don't know anything about you. I've never heard of you. You can't be that big of a fucking Titan. So, yeah. I want to say sorry to that man. I've never heard. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the really cool thing for all of us. You know, like for me, of course, obviously I knew Gaia, right? I knew Gaia, I knew Aranos, Mm -hmm. I knew Nyx, because Nyx is like, I'm ultimate like Team Nyx. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, fuck your fucking Hogwarts house. Tell me which primordial god you want to be born out of and possibly consumed by. Okay, so. Honestly, if you had yeah, to pick one, give me you a- have House Erebus, Tartarus, Eros, Chaos, Nyx, and Gaia. Who do you go with? I mean, if I'm choosing, I'm obviously going Chaos first. I know. And then I'm, Nyx secondary. I'm stuck between <laughs> oh, chaos wait, I'm sorry, and Daphne. Tartarus. So you're, you're, you think you're going to do this right now that you're a Chaos Sun, Nyx I Moon? Know. That's <laughs> No, I'm going full on next. <laughs> full on next. I want to go you in are there. A baby Fair. of Nick's. 
Oh, I'm I'm 100% a child of Nick's 100%. Absolutely. I remember in episode 1 at some point you said like the children of chaos and I was like, "Oh man, that's my doom metal band." Like I am starting that <laughs> if it doesn't already exist. That's like the most metal shit I've ever heard, Children of Chaos. Yeah, cuz the thing with Nick is like I Nick is super super awesome. Um, but I feel like if you're born from next you're like more than likely going to be closer to having like a regular, like human ish form. Whereas I feel like if you're out of chaos, <laughs> you could just end up as like a interdimensional space. You might be a big mountain. Like who, who knows what you come I'm out. I'm super into Tartarus you know? too, though. Like really into Tartarus. Yeah. yeah. Tartarus I think I'm getting more and more obsessed with Tartarus. The more, we but I like flowers. It. So Mm, um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it, yeah I, you know I think going over the, the the primordial gods one of my favorite things about it especially in like what people have told me like friends who've listened to it they've been like I didn't know Gaia was so scary and I'm like oh, oh, hold, yeah. on fucking, yeah. hold on to your hold on your pussy because she's coming for everybody for generations <laughs> like she is absolutely everything that I love about our complete and total fucked up post Victorian like concept of like Mother Earth is Mother, a uh, yeah. you know it's yeah. a white lady with red hair and a fucking globe you know painted onto her pregnant belly and it's oh, shot no, by Ann Geddes and you're like okay cool that's Mother Earth like really <laughs> whereas like Mother Earth in the ancient world for basically any civilization was like this terrifying devouring mother who could nurture you as much as she could like swallow you whole I mean it makes a lot more sense we're so divorced from it though because we don't understand that like we're talking about people who are basically like enjoying the first fruits of the agrarian period and so before that they were nomadic and they were at the behest of the elements yeah earth is rough yeah and they're just developing agriculture which is basically like the um external evidence of like man's attempted domination or colonization really of the earth for his own purpose right and so basically you have this situation where you then have the development of gods who are like my absolute favorite where you have like obviously the personification of the earth but you also have like the harvest goddess who's like good good friends you know like she's cute she'll help you out she's kind of like your mom she'll punish you if you don't fucking do your homework and you'll all starve but she's like on the side of like okay cool like we live in this perimeter where we're safe and then there's like the Mm. wild gods of nature who are actively dangerous to you yeah. Who, like lore yeah. travelers off of the path and like are dangerous to children and like are embodied yeah. by the monsters and the beasts and the centaurs and the fawns and the whatever right like so you've got all of these really scary nature gods too who are like yeah no you are just like another rotting corpse at the base of a tree that makes it grow big and strong <laughs> and i really don't give a fuck about whether or not you make it it's like woo, okay. <laughs> that's a little less cuddly and so then you've got gaia who's like basically <laughs> generator of all of them and it's like yeah sure Gaia can absolutely like you know give birth to really beautiful deities but then she's also like yeah cool also here's the Hecatonchires who have a hundred hands and the Cyclopses and <laughs> whatever and then like gets pissed when Aranos is like yeah I don't, I'm not about that like I why don't we have 
regular fucking kids. And she's like, what do you mean regular? And then that starts wars over this because she, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's wild. I like the unpredictability of what earth can birth. I love that yeah. about Gaia that she's so primal that it's like, yeah, you might not get something you like. We're not just doing All trees. <laughs> you know, like, so I do love that, but no, I'm, de- I'm definitely a hundred percent like house snicks forever yeah because i also love that like my siblings would be like old age and misery but also friendship and the fates (laughs) you know (laughs) so i think that would be cool um i would just like want to be like a party girl with the fates you know (laughs) i'd always be trying to like get them to come out of their cavern and like put their one eyeball into a martini glass and like pass it around and like see who gets the eyeball like you know it'd be fun they share one tooth we can make jokes like it'll be great I'm sure they have a great whistle tone. I think it's been really cool looking at primordial gods because, like, I I use the word ineffable on purpose. I mean, they are literally the sort of dimensions of our existence, whereas we're so used to gods, like, looking like a person that, like, we're not... We kind of struggle with that sometimes, I think, even though the origins of basically every religion start out with an animistic sort of everything is alive, including us... type Mm. belief right right? but then inevitably we sort of personify them and so today we're going to talk about the titans and the really interesting thing about about the titans is they're kind of halfway there so you've got the primordial (laughs) gods who are like the earth itself and then you've got the olympian gods who are basically human looking like us but they're perfect but you've got the titans in between who are human-esque and they're also gigantic (laughs) <laughs> so that's always a really interesting thing about how they're depicted is that they're like massive massive yeah. you know what that kind of makes me think like it's like them it's like without moderation you know because i think at some point we talked mm-hmm. about like the greek mm. like they like the cautionary tale thing was like hey moderation is really important and the titans mm-hmm. kind of feel like even if the gods are like they don't they have more moderation than the titans maybe just by virtue of like they're not as big <laughs> like if they move they're not necessarily stepping on a country by virtue of their size but they're more limited also by their size the way humans are yeah cuz like that's that was one of the things about the primordial gods too that i was thinking of is like even in the generations you can see kind of like chaos this thing that we don't necessarily have a visual for move into something like Gaia, which we have a little bit more of a visual for. But not um, much. We just know right, we're standing not on much. her. That's, that's about right, it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can fall in and die. Or you can, you know, like... <laughs> Speaking of the, the generations, actually, um, I did want to sort of refine a point that we brought up last week. So several times last week, I think I mentioned, okay, there's basically three generations of the gods. And we got a lot of questions about that. So I wanted to make sure that we ironed out the details for everybody. So here's the basic rundown. It's important to remember that there are, like we said, three prime generations of Greek gods. You've got the, the primordial gods the titans and the olympians it's also really important to remember that in each of these cases there is sort of two sets of gods you have the elder and you have the younger or the greater or lesser as they're sometimes termed for the primordial gods the elder or greater gods are going to be the most ancient ones of them all the ones that were there at the beginning the ones that we talked about last week so again you've got chaos tartarus gaia eros erebus and nyx they are of course the elder primordial gods and like we talked about last week gaia and Aranos, the earth and the sky bore the titans but 
everybody else had a whole bunch of kids and they were not a part right. of the Titans. So who are they? <clears throat> well, that's easy. They're the younger or lesser primordial gods. And in each of the generations, you have this distinction. There are the classical 12 elder Titans, the children of Gaia and Aranos, and they have tons of children. However, only two of the Titans, Cronus and Rhea, bear the six Olympians. All of the other children that the Titans have are just known as younger or lesser Titans. And those six Olympians will have five kids and be joined by Aphrodite because I, they drafted her. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that'll round it out to 12. And everyone will have more and more kids, but this time they're all called Olympian, but they're not really because basically like you either live on Olympus or you don't. And there's only 12 seats for the primary gods of Olympus. Right. So the way that I sort of explain this to people is think about it like it's not necessarily generations in terms of like brackets in a graph or whatever. It's more they are an era. So if you were born before the Titans, you're not a Titan. You're part of the primordial gods. And unless you're like the original primordial gods, you're not one of the greater primordial gods. You're one of the younger or lesser primordial gods. The same thing applies with the Titans. There's the 12 initial Titans and then all of their children. And only the children of Gaia and Uranus are the Olympians. And all of the other children are lesser Titans. And then you've got the Olympians who are going to fill themselves out with kids. And like I said, draft Aphrodite, which like, I want to see that Jersey. <laughs> you have all these other kids that are going to be born who are of the Olympian era, but they're not Olympians themselves. Does that make sense? Olympish. Mount Olympish. Olymp-esque. Olymp <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also really like the idea of being like first round draft pick. For, for a pantheon of gods. Mm -hmm. I do kind of like the idea of like multiple harvest goddesses showing up and like pitching themselves to be like part of the Olympia yeah. pantheon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I'm more of a bend down and sickle kind of harvest god. And over here we have more of a pick from a tree kind yeah. of harvest god. And I'm just naked and I hold a sheaf of wheat. Is that good? Can we do yeah. that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what does you being naked have to do with it? Earth, man. It's fucking Earth. Earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on, get with it. But yeah. you fucking, you know, feel the rain on your skin. <laughs> I just feel like Natasha Bedingfield never got her due. I feel like she should be brought up whenever possible. So, Natasha yeah, Bedingfield, yeah. if you're listening Agreed. to this, we think you're great. Friend of the podcast, Natasha Bedingfield. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the podcast, Natasha Bedingfield. <laughs> Um, would Natasha Bedingfield be a primordial god, a titan, or an Olympian? I feel like a younger primordial because her little brother, the other Bedingfield, like showed up, had that one song that mm. was like really popular, and then no one remembers who he is. And I feel like that's kind of how I feel about some of the like. <laughs> that like transition period between the primordial gods and the titans it's like hey, you did something but like do i really remember like i know you're there it does suck to be a kid of some of these people <laughs> or a, or a relative or a, one of the, the forgotten brother <laughs> yeah, absolutely yes yeah i kind of feel like he may have ended up being like one of the erotes like he's like hi i'm hetty logo some sweet talk and flattery i basically have no role <laughs> but yeah absolutely yeah. you know it's <laughs> nice nice to meet you're still here you're still here you're, you know what you're here and you're excited and that's what matters <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think of like brandy where it's like i feel like oh, brandy is like would no. fit and brandy like a is one of the fates because so is monica Brandy's one of the Brandy's fates. Brandy's one of the fates. Oh, 
what do you okay because like i'm thinking of like primordial era is like our patty labelle's like all, all like those folks who are just like the biggest voice <laughs> the biggest voices Wait, but patty LaBelle then, would be nix and her little like goddaughter oh who's my. over here would be brandy oh okay because i was looking at 90s r&b as like the titanic era and I feel like a lot of the the friction between like '90s R&B and like trap R&B mm. now is kind of like the Titanomachy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I also would like to posit that Janet Jackson is Gaia, and that she's actually Ooh. running everything behind the scenes. Yeah, we owe a lot, a lot of people owe a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> Jackson, does. So. Okay, her and her brother were the blueprint for all success in pop music. Thank you yeah. very much. Damn, it's Aranos and Gaia. I'm That's just crazy. saying. Uh, yes, Aranos and Gaia, that, and and one had to go and went, and that said, <laughs> you fucked around and found out, Michael. Sorry about it. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, no. But think about it. Janet is like the ultimate Taurus. She really is. She's like that Taurus queen. So to me, she's Gaia. Um, yeah. I think that Aretha is Tartarus, the bottomless pit. <laughs> I'm Team Patty, so I'm gonna shade Aretha whenever possible yeah. because I will always be Team Patty, Team Sweet Potato Pie. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to draw this up. I think we need to put this on the Instagram. Who's chaos? Is, did you say it's like Josephine Baker or somebody? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like way yeah, back like real, in the before the real times. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's Sister Rosetta Tharp. It I is think it's really It's gotta weird. be Rosetta yeah, Absolutely, <laughs> it's gotta be. With like an ankle like skirt guitar, or electric yeah. guitar, like just fucking it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Erebus, the darkness is Little Richard, oh, the I architect of everything, who never gets enough yeah. attention or do. That's the thing. So I've always said as queers, like all of us have a pop diva that we worship at the altar of. That is the truth. Mm. You have, and you can have like several. You can have a pantheon, but there is always going to be the one that you are ride or die for. Mine is Janet Jackson. There is absolutely no way that I'm ever going to let anyone slander her name she is the most criminally underrated and underappreciated artist of all time she literally paved the way for everyone who came after her to do what they did and then basically had to suffer for it and every step of the way was what a lot of people gave other people credit for to be honest with you this is a jackson mm. jackson family podcast now no just janet <laughs> Don't bring just Janet. Oh, okay. Don't bring Latoya into this. Are you well, serious? No. There's I mean, a lot was... of Greek gods, though, and like minor gods. She's got somebody's got to be Latoya. Well, I do love that Latoya Jackson wow. did Playboy to prove she wasn't Michael. I do absolutely <laughs> love that, and that definitely well, kind of fair. reeks of like when Aphrodite transformed into Aphroditos to seduce Hermes. Like, there's a little yeah. something there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I Hera is Madonna. Oh, for sure. Sure. 100%. Just 100%. That's like 100%. not even negotiable. No. Is Cher Demeter? Uh, well, I, listen, personally, Maybe. I think that Cher would have to be at minimum be Raya. Like, I'm, I'm, she's got to be at okay, least a Titan ass. There's no fucking way <laughs> yeah. we're yeah, saying yeah, fair, she's fair, an fair, Olympian. She would agree. Uh, yeah, she was there. What do you mean? Yeah. She, she, she's the one who <laughs> wrote down the epic poetry in Koine Greek. She, hello. <laughs> can turn back time is literally about her going back and trying to fight the Titanomachy all over again. Oh That's exactly God. what it's about. <laughs> well, I feel like this actually might be a new segment on our podcast. Tune in next week for the continuation of Pop Star Pantheon. <laughs> 
<laughs> we will do this every week. Oh, it has a ringy name. Yeah, too. absolutely. <laughs> Pop your pussy pantheon. <laughs> Severely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, going back to the generations and um, where everybody figures in, one of the things that I think is really interesting um, that we kind of touched on last week, especially when we were talking about the, the lesser betting field, um, <laughs> we were talking about um, gods who last week seemed to maybe throw everybody a little bit of a curveball. Like, you know, you had that whole list of Nix's kids and like some of them actually had personalities and mess, but other ones it's like, yes, this is just envy, you know, or like whatever. And there's actually a name for those spirits. It's a whole different class of spirit. So the ancient Greek word for this would be daimones. So there were Daimonis. a lot of different daimones and daimones were gods, just to clarify. And the mm -hmm. way that you can kind of usually identify them is that their name is basically just a capitalized noun. So it's like, you know, <laughs> I am that thing. Right. And there's a couple key varieties that you want to be aware of that you'll come across regularly in Greek mythology. But the sort of bigger takeaway is that most of these gods, the daimones, are simple personifications of a concept. Very few of them get fully realized as individual deities with personalities and myths, and even less of them had their own cult or worship. The sort of common mm. archetypes you're going to come across are like emotions and state of mind, right? So you've got like love and hate, hope and fear. You've got the human condition, like birth and death, youth and old age, qualities like strength, beauty, foolishness, stupidity, morality. So everything from like modesty and valor to moderation to hubris to pride. Voice and what the voice can do. Remember we're talking about like a huge amount of time that's oral tradition and like voices obviously mattered a lot more then. So, you know, you have a God for each thing that you can do in speaking. You've got a God who is persuasion, who is prayer, who is lies, who is battle cries, who is rumors. And you also have like physical actions or metaphorical actions. So you've got like victory, labor, murder, and you also have the state of society. So you have gods who are the embodiment of like peace and who are the embodiment of war, of law and lawlessness, of justice and injustice. <clears throat> so the thing about the daemonists is a lot of times they're symmetrical. So if there is a god of one concept, there's usually a god who's the embodiment of like the opposite or opposite polar concept. Thing. Yeah. Which is kind of beautiful in its symmetry. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's fun to personify in that way. Everything. Yeah, like them all I in a room together is like, it's either a mess or it's just like how things work. Yeah. <laughs> or just everyone stops moving because yes, it's, it's a exactly perfect equilibrium. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the thing that I like about it is in a lot of different mythologies, these things are always present. But in very few mythologies, mm -hmm. are they personifications or deities? It's usually like this thing came into the world through the actions of a major god, right? And yeah. it's like built into their myth. Whereas almost everything that you can think of has an actual like personification that has its own agency that goes around fucking shit up, which is, I think, why the Greeks just were like, yeah, no, there's no definite. I don't know when the beginning was. I, uh, there's some big <laughs> shit. And then there's like some slightly less big shit. And then there's some like kind of regular size shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Let's not worry about it too much. They hit you with the old time is flat circle. Right. And you're yeah. Yeah. So is the earth. Good, 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 so like how great. advanced are we? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know, interestingly, when I mentioned Daimonis, that may have rang a bell for you. And if it sounded like demons, that was not a mistake. So let me just give you a little rundown on the history of the word demon. So demon comes originally from that same Koine Greek word daimon, right? And it was used by the ancient Greeks to basically be a catch-all for all of the middling 
or minor gods. Usually, like we said, that were like personifications, right? Mm. So it was sort of a catch-all term. It was also a term that was used by people like Socrates to name your conscience or your higher self or like the internal voice that you have. So it had like multiple uses, yeah. right? But it was like, cool, this thing's not a mortal and not an Olympian. It's this. You know, like it was kind of like an umbrella term yeah. <laughs> that had a lot of prefixes that could be put on it to indicate like the nature of that specific spirit. Like I think it's a gothodaimon is like good, kind of almost like guardian angel spirit. Don't quote me. But really interestingly, though, basically when the ancient Hebrews showed up to Greece, actually, they were kind of passing through. And I'm like really simplifying here. A bunch of them stayed behind and put down roots. And then were these like Hellenic Jews, they had generations of kids who were now like speaking Greek. So they wanted to translate the ancient Hebrew scriptures into Greek. And so what came out of it was called the Septuagint. Now, the Septuagint is the initial mosaic books and their translation into Koine Greek. This was not done by professionals. This was done by, I speak this language, you speak right. this language. This person over here <laughs> kind of speaks both languages. One of us can write, none of us can read. Like, it's just kind of like doing what you can with what you've got on like a stone tablet. And if you make a mistake, we're just gonna fucking roll with it because we're out of tablets. You know, kind of like was the general yeah. overall <laughs> process. So here's the thing, the... Ancient Hebrews had a lot of spirits that were bad or what they would term unclean. And they sort of formed this idea while they were in Babylonian and Egyptian captivity. So there were these unclean spirits that were basically responsible for everything, right? Like from like disease to misfortune to death to miscarriage to anything, right? They could, they could wreak havoc at any time. And there were all different classes of them. So basically, whoever the whoever the, the Jewish person talking to the Hellenic person was, was like, yeah, we've got this thing. They're like, yeah, we don't... Uh, like, well, what word do you have? They're, they're like, well, we have gods of, like, death. And they're like, no, 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 there's one god. That can't be it. And it's like, oh, um, hmm. This isn't going to work. Yeah. This isn't going to work. Uh, okay. Oh, well, we have Daimonas. They're not gods, but they're not mortals. But they're not really bad. They're like, no, no, that's the one. We'll go with that. That's We got yeah, a winner. Yeah. So, and then you had the first time it had a negative connotation or the wow. connotation of evil. So you have Daimon, uh, that's D-A-I-M-O-N, which becomes D-A-E-M-O-N in the Latin Vulgate and becomes D-E-M-O-N in English. That makes a lot of sense. So male or demon is the Latin god of when you can't type email addresses correctly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people still use that spelling today to denote the Greek concept, sort of like the things that came yeah. after in sort of Roman thought about daimon uh, versus the common conception that we sort of have now about what a demon is. It's uh, weird. True. It's kind of all a, just a big misunderstanding, you know, or not a misunderstanding, but it's it's a little bit. Wait until you hear about the Bible. Well, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like that's similar that with the, the, the other demons that like were just other gods that got kind of turned into demons over time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, it's we like can that. always do a deep dive on like classical demons that are 100 percent neighboring gods that were like just vilified. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that that's the origin of how that word got to be a bad word but it wasn't in this case so basically what we're covering today is the titans like we said it's interesting to see like sort of how they were addressed and like how they were thought of i think a lot of people when they first studied greek mythology have this idea that like the greeks were there like you had the greeks telling the stories and they started out and they had the primordial gods and then some stuff must have happened and then they came up with the titans and then some stuff must have happened and then they came up with the olympians that's not at all 
how it goes. By the time that the Greeks were telling these stories and like had established the Greek religion, they started with the Olympians and there just happened to be this whole backstory. It's important to understand by like the Hellenistic age, which is like, you know, the, the, the classical age and the Hellenistic age, like it's kind of like what we know, like when we think of ancient Greece, that's what we're thinking of. By that time, the Titans were already considered ancient to the ancient Greeks. So a lot of a lot of the Greeks would call the Titans the pre-Olympians or the old gods. The old um, Hesiod, who we quoted a lot last week, who wrote the Theogony, which was like the gene genealogy of the gods actually went so far as to call them uh in ancient greek theoi protoroi which means the former gods as if like they weren't just defeated but that they were like deposed right. uh which is debated it's sort of interesting when you think about it because they played a major role in early myths and legends but only some of them and others a lot of them actually only serve like an ancestral function like literally they're like hi i'm the bridge from primordial to olympian and i don't really have a personality like they really don't have much going on other ones are really really developed the other thing that's really interesting that i i find is that it's not as if you're like okay cool yeah they really weren't that important but why do people keep talking about them because you would think Oh, okay, they're not that important. Nobody's really worshiping them. They don't have a developed cult. They don't have a personality. Why would people keep talking about them? Well, number one, they were considered to be like the building blocks of reality, right? Because remember, Gaia is the Earth, right? Yeah. But the other thing is... They were this like really fun plot device that like a lazy storyteller could pull out at any moment. <laughs> Why did this person die unjustly? And it's like, well, in their heart, they harbored a desire to release the Titans and cause the apocalypse and a cataclysm and we were all going to fucking die. So Zeus was totally right to bolt that bitch <laughs> and like fry them alive because they were going to kill us all. And it's like, it's this kind of like <laughs> thing that's always used it's a little bit tired but, but <laughs> like when you get through it but yeah it's it's pretty interesting that it's sort of used that way but of course it never happens so what are you gonna do yeah they're just really kind of just hanging out there there's not some it's not really that threatening it's the idea of the threat no and there's even tellings where they they're granted clemency by zeus Oh. And they're let out of Tartarus and they just yeah. kind of go on and I guess like retire. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know where they go, but they don't, they're like not a problem for anybody, I guess. Yeah. Palm Beach, I guess. That's really funny. It's like, hey, you all don't want to sit up here anymore, right? And they're like, no, it's cool. Like, We're right, fine. Then, uh, you know I'll what? see you later. I kind of uh, feel like after the Titanomachy, some of the Titans <laughs> might be, like, not cool with heights anymore. I don't know. Um, <laughs> because one of the things a lot of people don't know about the Titans is they had their own mountain. They were not on Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus was not a thing yet. They were on Mount Othrus. I did not know that. Mount Olympus got established as the war began. And then you basically have what in my head is like the old cartoon depictions of like the Hatfields versus the McCoys, where you have these two, like, mountain totally. folks shooting at each other from... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's like basically it yeah and then the other thing too that's a big misconception about the titans is especially with the titanomachy is um it's in almost all tellings it's only the male titans who go to war with the olympians where where are the chicks going they're just like oh this is fine we'll just hang out with in my head, I like headcanon it as like a great Lisa Strata moment where they're like, you men are foolish. We're having no part of this. Yeah. Like, go ahead and kill each other. We'll be here to run shit when you're all dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, because of this, they don't end up in Tartarus and they don't get, they like keep their job basically. Like they keep their divine status. They're still a God. They're, they're still in charge around. of whatever they're. Yeah. 
because they didn't take part in it. So Zeus is like, cool, awesome. Yeah, we still need that job to get done and you didn't fight against me. So whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the Titans, we've got 12 Titans to cover and we're going to talk about their kids too. We've got some myths. It's going to be a doozy of an episode. So we are going to jump right in. Remember all the Titans are paired. Okay, so our first pair is Eurybia and Creus. Eurybia was the goddess of mastery over the seas. So she was basically like the main titan that all of the sailors would have had to have like been on really good terms with, right? She was the goddess of the winds and the movement of the constellations. And interestingly, Hesiod described her as shining among goddesses. But then he also describes her as having a heart like flint. Yeah, what does that mean? Is there just like fickle or beautiful and mean? And then you have her pairing, which is Creus. And Creus, they kind of have some overlap because Creus is the Titan god of heavenly constellations and the measure of the year. We talk about astrology a lot in this in this podcast, and it has a lot of its roots in the Greek stories, at least for its imagery and its flavor. And so we all know that Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, Creus was the ancient Greek word for ram. And so because he was associated with the measure of the year, he was likely tied to the constellation Aries and its beginning the zodiac. That's cool. Mm. Um, and that's it. He, there's nothing else about him. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> there's one telling where he helps take down Aranos. Other than that, he's just basically here to fucking make kids. So nice. Um, <laughs> and he has, he ends up with two kids and one's a winner and one's not. Honestly, um, we oh. have Perseus and Asteria and I'm team Asteria. Um, Perseus <laughs> is the Titan God of destruction. He was tied with Polaris, which is like the north of the dog star, which to the ancient Greeks was believed to be the source of heat and summer droughts. And this, of course, led to him being called the destroyer or the ravager. And then we have his sister, Asteria, who I'm like obsessed with. Hello, child of Nyx. Uh, she's called the starry one. She's the Titan goddess of falling stars and nighttime divination, specifically a neuromancy. If you remember the Onoroi from last week, they're the gods of dreams. So this is, you know, divination by dream interpretation yeah. and astrology. Interestingly, after the fall of the Titans, Zeus basically like had nothing to do but be a rapey son of a bitch. So he chases her across <laughs> the sky and she's like yeah no fuck this and so she i in my head i was like she's gonna turn into like a falling star and like shoot across the sky like a comet or something now she turns into a quail <laughs> and then does a swan dive into the ocean and turns herself into an island and this is what we're talking about wow. about those innovative solutions to problems <laughs> really thinking outside the box would not have seen that one coming because apparently the box hadn't been invented yet yeah. I, th I think it's sort of the idea um, but interestingly, so it's one of those things where you're like, cool, they turned her into a tree and you're like, really, that's where this is going to end. It, this one actually doesn't end there. Um, the island that she becomes is really important to somebody we're going to talk about in a little bit. So I'm going to hold on to it until then. But it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, Assyria also has a second name that is possibly a separate goddess or is often listed as like her daughter or sister named Brizo. And Brizo takes on some of her mother because she's um, the goddess of mariners and sailors. And she takes on some of her sister because she's uh, prophetic dreaming. But she's also the goddess of naps. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And to me, that really says something about priorities in a yeah. cosmology. If yeah. you're like, listen, it gets really fucking hot here. 
I'm not working at noon. We need to come up with something <laughs> to like take a fucking break. <laughs> you know? And also so. just naps being a thing that were like needed to be explained cosmically because they were that important. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's part of the natural order. Also, naps being that important like 5,000 years ago to me yeah. is also like a really <laughs> necessary thing to point out. <laughs> yeah, um, right? Yeah. And then also, just like last but not least, it is said in some tellings that Kriya who we just talked about that was the dad you had Eurybia and Creus and you had the two kids uh, Perseus and Asteria in some tellings it's actually Creus and Asteria that are paired and they're supposed to be the parents of Hecate hmm. huh. so that's something and then we have our next pair well just on the water thing because like Eurybia is like the mastery of like the sea and astrology right or like and the movement of the stars yeah I think because those two would have went hand in hand for like navigation they still do i think yeah well that's that was i just find that interesting like that connection between water but then also like dreams and sleep and divination and then Mm. also the stars Mm -hmm. like all of that being connected um that early on is like really cool too just like the sway like the movement of the stars and or the moon has something to do with like the water's movement but then also like the way our dream like this is really cool like that I think it's really cool that, like, even, again, like, 5,000 years ago, they saw the intrinsic rhythms of, like, Mm -hmm. our internal rhythms and the movement of the heavens and the movement of the ocean. And they were like, yeah, "Yeah, these all probably have something to do with each other. (laughs) You know? They seem like related things. (laughs) We have our next pairing, and we have another really cool, badass goddess and a dude who, like, ain't shit. But produces kids. Um, so we have Pallas, who's the dude. Uh, he's the titan god of Warcraft and battle strategy. His name is derived from the Greek phrase meaning to brandish a spear, uh, which I'm sure is sexual, I'm, I, obviously. Phallic. Just to put that out there. Yeah, just, yeah, oh, um, for sure. Now, that's literally all I have for him. Oh. Um, except for the fact that his name is much more famous for somebody else, <laughs> Pallas. Have you ever heard of Pallas Athena? Yeah. Yeah. So Pallas Athena is Athena, Mm -hmm. but she took on the name of her childhood friend who died tragically. And we're going to talk about that myth when we get to her episode. But basically, Pallas was the daughter of the ocean god Triton, who was the son of Poseidon. So she's the granddaughter of Poseidon. Her role was that she was like the Hermes of the sea. Like she was like the messenger god for the seas. Uh, But she was the childhood playmate of Athena and died tragically at Athena's hand, basically. And so oh. that's it. She's a child murderess. That took a tw- turn. Yeah. <laughs> it's like single white female. I don't Very. know. But, it, you know, it, it becomes a whole thing. Identity theft. Um, which we'll talk about in her episode. So Pallas was partnered with Styx. And I understand why Styx is who she is, because based on who Pallas sounds like, I would be the same way. <laughs> so she was a titan goddess of Oath and the infamous river Styx, which was said to run around the entirety of the underworld, maintaining its perimeter. Styx herself dwelt at the entrance to the underworld in a grotto held aloft by silver columns which is like not necessarily cottage core but it's an entire aesthetic (laughs) and she was the personification of hatred oh i love it so cool i would be too if that was my husband dick guy who's just basically like trying to fight people and and you know wielding a giant 
fucking <laughs> erection that I have to fucking deal with. <laughs> she was really interesting because her and her children were staunch allies of the Olympians during the Titanomachy, even though they were Titans. They were actually the first ones. Zeus is like, we're fucking going to war. Who wants to be on my side? The prophecy is that I'm going to win. So if you are a Titan and you want to join me, you're going to be spared. You're not going to fucking get your ass handed to you. What do you think? And immediately Styx is like, Palace, I'm leaving you. You're a piece of shit. And like packs the bags, grabs the kids and heads out for Olympus. It is like, hey, Zeus, I'm here. I hate everything, including the Titans. I'm literally hatred itself. You want me on your team. She had foresight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Zeus is like, uh, cool, welcome. And her and her kids become like his like very closest allies during the war. And so because of this and because of her loyalty, Zeus rewards Styx by having her Chthonic River be the sacred one by which the gods would swear their unbreakable oaths. So there's a lot of myths that hinge on the fact that if the gods swear right. their oath upon Styx, they cannot break it. That's so And cool. so it's also really interesting, like, before we go to her kids, like, I just think Styx is like a bad bitch. Yeah, she is. It's really important to remember that, like, magic was practiced openly and commonly in ancient Greece. And one of the most common things to be done was um, love spells. You could tell a lot about, I think, a, a person, depending on, like, which divinity they beseech for help in, like, getting their love. <laughs> there were a lot of lesbian love spells, uh, or at least love spells between women, that mm -hmm. would invoke the Araneas, who are the Furies, Cerberus, the three-headed hellhound, and Styx, the embodiment of hatred. Weird. I love it. And they would do this because the... <laughs> The idea is, is that you would have these gods torture the person that you love until they finally come to be, come back to you or come to you in the first place. <laughs> A.K.A. Middle School Valentine's Day. Yeah, I was going to say I punched a lot of people that I had crushes on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to trip people to make them say yes. <laughs> yeah. on your Valentine's Bullying. <laughs> or else they get the like shitty candy and you save the good lollipops with the gum inside of it for the it's people. You know, it's a it's a whole thing. Clearly, it's been a whole thing for a whole time. A long, long time. <laughs> you would pass somebody a note in ancient Greek high school that you chiseled onto a tablet that says, like, do you like me? <laughs> like, chisel back, yes. Y slash uh, and then like there, yeah. there would be no space yeah. for no, obviously. It would be like a tiny box that they couldn't chisel. Okay. Yeah. I do love that. Yeah, and then, the, and then you have to carry that heavy-ass stone plate around for the rest of your school day. Oh, the best part is that you have it's... to, like, covertly <laughs> chisel into it and not alert the teacher. You know, yeah. Like, tink, 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 tink. What are you fucking yeah. doing? Like, Do I hear? Yeah. Who's passing notes? Like, That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. also. Do you, do you have something you want to share with the rest of the class? I clearly hear someone chiseling in the back. Yeah. Come up to the front of the class and show us. <laughs> I do love the idea of the fact that you do have a stone tablet that you then have to get the three people behind to you pass. to actually pass yeah. off. Yeah, and they're and like, pass it back. No, three fuck rows. you, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> fucking shit is heavy. Um, yeah, so that's basically that. Um, now, Styx had four kids, um, which, considering she had an ain't shit husband, some of them are great and some of them are not. Um, <laughs> she has Zealous, who is Zeal, and is the daemon of rivalry, emulation, jealousy, envy, and zeal. Um, Kratos, who is Strength, and is a real son of a bitch. Uh, and Bia, who is Force, Anger, and Raw Energy. 
and is one of the most powerful beings that like I've read about because she could take on any of the Titans. She oh. also doesn't talk. Oh. So she's like wow. that like silent assassin archetype, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We love it. Um, and then standing in the corner, don't make a false move. That's it. <laughs> and then we have uh, last but not least, Nike. Uh, oh, yeah. And so Nike might sound familiar. Uh, <laughs> Nike was the daemon <laughs> of victory. Now, as a member of Zeus's retinue, her job was to be the divine charioteer in the Titanomachy. Right. So, like straight up, Zeus and everybody else is like on this giant chariot. She's got to fly it through the air when they're like at war. Okay. And after the war, she kept this role and the flying sacred chariot and would soar over battlefields, rewarding victors with glory and fame, crowning them with laurel wreaths, which were her key attribute. Also, sometimes they said that she was a daughter of Ares and that she like wasn't chill at all and was like actually like made battles unfair and would like pick her favorites and like fuck everybody else up and then like, you know, toss a fucking laurel wreath at the people she liked and be like, clean yourself up. Um, But it's it's interesting though, because she was like an icon. Like the Greeks were, they stand Nike like you would not believe. There were sculptures of her all over the fucking place in ancient Greece and not even just in temples, just like as beautiful in a garden. Like she was like, civic and religious she was all over the place and you kind of you couldn't get a selfie with her but if you did enough or if you had enough money you could get a statue made of her putting like a laurel wreath or offering one to you so there was like all these depictions of her like with an athlete or with a soldier like whatever and then you know of course we're like you know these thousands of years later and we find it we're like this must have been a really important person it's like no his fucking dad had money and like owned the city like so that's literally like the our our equivalent now is those like academy awards that are like best dad <laughs> so gonna find those oh my god they had an academy award for the best cat mom oh yeah yeah we're gonna look back at like the webbies or some shit like oh they must have been really important in the formation of a digital culture mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like no. Ooh, shots fired that was shots fired oh, i love no. it um did i did i uh, unassumingly assault people on the oh, internet no, oh, what no. have i done <laughs> <laughs> i just want to point out to everyone who can't see this which is all of you that um as all of that was happening vince was um very patiently and very villainously stroking <laughs> the jet black cat that was sitting on their lap who literally only <laughs> made an appearance for them to throw that shade specifically. Yeah, she definitely left after, too. She's like, all right. Um, are, are we done? <laughs> the spirit of malice must has, a, has other places to be. Yeah. So, actually, one of the things that I thought was really cool about Nike was that, like, not only were these fucking statues everywhere, she was also, like, on all their coins. She was, like, all oh, over yeah. the place. Cover girl. And this actually lives on today. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even know this. Did you know that her image is on the back of every Olympic medal? Yeah, I didn't know that either. I mean, I don't have an Olympic medal, so I haven't really looked at the back of many of them to be perfectly. <laughs> Mine's at the cleaners, so... <laughs> I assumed it would have been like the torch or whatever. Maybe that's on the front. I think um, that's on the front. Yeah. So it's on the back of them. Oh. Yeah, it's like her with the laurel wreath, like holding it up. That's so cool. Oh, that's sick. Um, and then there was one last depiction of her that I thought was really cool. The We kind of talked last week about like the original Parthenon and like the gigantic statue of Athena. Mm-hmm. In that depiction, she actually had an outstretched hand and in it stood a mini victory, like a, a mini Nike. Oh. 
like holding out the leash. Because <laughs> basically, I think it was supposed to mean like if you are good with Athena, you'll win. Yeah. So like that was the idea. That that um, seems like a pretty Athena message. Yeah. To, like, Which to me, I'm like, oh my god, how sacred. But I'm honestly, I wonder if like to an ancient Greek, like they saw that and it was like nationwide is on your side. Like, yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> Elf is everywhere. Jesus Christ, I cannot get away from this Nike bitch. Nike like she's thing. everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, wait a couple thousand years, it's still gonna be fucking everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah right. So <laughs> Nothing has changed. Yeah. Um. Oh. Oh. By the way, I almost forgot. She is. She is a river goddess. So she did have a couple other kids who don't matter. Um. There's Scylla, who is not the legendary sea monster, so we don't even get that. And then Fontis and Lacus, who are fountains and lakes. So, cool. That's great. I'm sure they had a very chill time, and nothing Fontis happened. Fontis and Lacus. Yeah, fountains are sick. <laughs> so, <laughs> we love a fountain. Um, but yeah, so basically the four that I told you about, they were actually like a squad of winged enforcers that stood at Zeus's side, and they were like the sentinels of the, the Olympian throne. So, they had a pretty cool That's job. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, right? That's sick. Um, yeah, you kind of want the ear of the tyrant, I think, is basically the moral mm-hmm. of the story. <laughs> um, and then we have the next pair, who are two of my my favorites. We have Eos and Astraeus. So Eos is the dawn and a very impractically shaped lip balm. <laughs> and she was called the rosy-fingered goddess of the dawn. What? And in some tellings, her siblings are Helios and Selene, the sun and the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we'll get to the fucking rosy fingered thing That's in a second. I'm weird. like, blood? I what? Don't she, like it. she put blush yeah. on her fucking fingers? Oh. What is wrong with this bitch? Like, <laughs> so it's said that she would like rise every morning and she'd use a rays of light to disperse through the night. Um, but the other telling was that she would be the one who opened the gates of heaven for the sun to rise every morning. And that resulted in her rosy fingers and forearms. So that I'm like, she's sunburned. Does this bitch have sunburned? sunburned? Yeah. <laughs> it's like beautiful sunburn. I don't understand. Hilarious. One of my favorite things about Eos is that apparently she did something. I don't know what to piss off Aphrodite and Aphrodite cursed her to have an insatiable lust for beautiful young men, which like, okay, fine. Who doesn't? That's all of her burden. But <laughs> she was, she was a virgin goddess, which like that sucks. Yeah. Um, but one of them was Tithonos, who was the Trojan prince that became her, like, official consort. And unfortunately, she was so into him that she made the mistake of asking Zeus to make him immortal and didn't file the correct paperwork and forgot to <laughs> include the form that would grant eternal youth. So oh, she no. then had to just watch him, oh, no. like, grow older and older and waste away. Excellent. And Forever. we have two versions. So here's a choose-your-own-adventure moment. <laughs> if you choose A, he continuously wastes away until he becomes a grasshopper, oh. the first grasshopper. What? <laughs> or... <laughs> He continuously wastes away and gets older, and she's like, I'm not changing your diapers. Fuck this. And she turns him into a cicada out of pity. I like the first one because I like to imagine it like the way they used to do those, like, um, face shifts in like 80s movies where, like, you know, you would turn into a skeleton, but it like oh, happened yeah. really gradually and it was just like really kind of like kind of ridiculous early effects. And so that's how I imagine it. He's just like an old man who's getting older and older and then just like starts to morph into a grasshopper for some reason. It's just really strange. It just reminds me of, I can't remember if it's a bug's life or ants, but like the mean, like evil people, I think they're grasshoppers. Um, yeah, it's ants. I think it's ants. 
It's well, ants is the one that's political. Yeah, ants okay, is yeah. like ants. the interesting one. Okay, yeah. So it's yeah. ants. But yeah, when you when I think of like an Which, old wait, man. Hold on. Did you love Bugs Life as a kid, and then as you got older, you were like, uh, "Ants was laying down some fucking like economic theory." Like what? <laughs> I always liked ants better. I didn't like Bugs Life. I yeah, I don't actually remember much of what happens in a Bugs Life, but I do remember ants. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, ants was awesome. Well, I was a fat child, and there was a fat German caterpillar. Who got to end up becoming a butterfly? Oh yeah, the caterpillar. Oh, I didn't so, like the German yeah, caterpillar. I, uh, I was biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but their faces are what I think of as old man grasshopper because it was like a weird anthropomorphic. Oh yeah, like, you're right. Oh, I remember them. <laughs> oh, I think they actually like drew them as kind of like grizzled too. Yeah, they, they were like, like mean really shit. All like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just survived like a war with the hornets or some shit. Like I don't know what happened. So he's so he's from ants. He turned into ants. That was the backstory of ants. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. The other thing that I thought was really cool about Eos is that she has two alternate names, which can also be epithets of hers, and they're Aotus and Aurora. Were invoked not in lesbian love spells, but in lesbian union ceremonies. The lesbians are just—they're referencing everyone. <laughs> everyone. They're like, I'll take all the fucking help I can get. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you don't have fast car to just play at fucking full volume yet, so you've got to figure something exactly. out. <laughs> But um, speaking of lesbians, she was actually one of the patron goddesses of the Theosos of the famed poet Sappho on the island of Lesbos, which is oh, a real fucking place. Yeah. Now, if you don't know what those three words are, I'm going to break them down for you. So a Theosos was a spiritual household of, and center of learning. And Sappho was one of the great epic poets of ancient Greece and was a super famous lesbian. So, Sappho's Theosos... Sapphic. Was, yeah, Sapphic literally means, like, lesbianic. So, Sappho's Theosos offered young women the chance to be instructed in dance, music, drama, the arts and sciences, and probably cunnilingus, I would assume. Always. Um, Always. And these were also done under the patronage of Hera, Aphrodite, Artemis, and other deities, like we just said, Eos. Huh. Cool. Interesting. I'm all about an ancient Greek queer house. Very, but yeah. that's also yeah. like an island resort it's, and a it college. Sounds so fun. I want to go. <laughs> and a temple. Like, I'm like, Love can it. I have one, yeah. please? Yeah, the rosy dawn fingers thing feels like it fits the aesthetic a little bit more now. That was really subtle. Damn, um, damn, that was really you're nicely right. done. Well, that was classy. <laughs> We were all having consternation about the idea of it being sunburned. Turns out. Yeah, not sunburned after all. <laughs> Amazing. So Eos was partnered with Astraeus. So where she's the dawn, he's the dusk. But he was also the titan god of the stars, the planets, and the art of astrology. And along with Eos, he was the father of the winds and the wandering stars. So the winds were called the animoi. And they were tied with each of the cardinal directions. So, you'd like, you would have, like, the north wind, the south wind. So, you have Boreas is the north wind, who's a real bastard. He's um, basically, you know how, like, on old maps, you would see, like, um, like an old man that was, like, the with big, big puffy cheeks, like, blowing out yeah. air? Yeah. That's Boreas. So, he's depicted as an old man with shaggy hair and a beard, a billowing cloak, purple wings, and he's got a fucking conch shell. I don't understand that part, but he's got it. <laughs> he's the guy who brings winter. So, the, what the conch shell is for, I really don't understand. But he was known to be quite strong and to have a really terrible, awful, violent temper, uh, which is why he abducted his wife, Arethea, uh, who is her name actually means mountain gale. Ooh. So like the winds of the mountains. No. So that's interesting. That's cool. But she was an Athenian princess. And because of this, the Athenians 
basically called him like a relative because that was a really big thing in ancient Greece and ancient Rome to be able to call a god like your divine ancestor. Mm -hmm. He apparently was like an in-law through brutality and they were like, that's fine. <laughs> and then when, uh, if you've ever seen 300, you know who Xerxes is. So Xerxes is about to fucking level Athens and they're like, shit, we've called on all the gods. No one's picking up the phone. Somebody call Boreas. He's like a weird uncle twice removed. Maybe he'll help us. <laughs> He's got a terrible temper. I'm sure he hates the Persians. I kind of imagine him as like everybody's like Trump loving uncle. Yeah, he's like the racist, like horrible, like piece of shit. Right but, you, but like, but he has all the guns. The, yeah, he's got all the guns. That's basically, I was like, yeah, he's got well, all the weapons. I don't know. He does have weapons. So like, there are some very specific situations where like, this is the one time we'll we're call not it. fucking friends, but. I'm your blood. Yeah. We're kin. Somebody just broke it into my house. The cops aren't coming. We need help. Get over here with a fucking yeah. shotgun in your lifted truck. I know you can get here. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it's nice to imagine that those horrible relatives would have some use in our lives because I don't, I don't know any of us talk to them anymore. Because they sure don't. But, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all gone. Um, but the, uh, so he actually picked up the phone, you know, he was probably drunk and had nobody to talk to. So he picks up the phone and <laughs> he decides to help them out by blowing the harshest winter wind ever, almost killing everybody. And this sinks 400 of the Persian ships and ends up winning the war for them. So that's something. I mean, hey, they yeah. probably should have called him sooner. Like this was very efficient. <laughs> it was very efficient, but also he's kind of a wild card. Why is he yeah, the last well, that's call? True. Yeah, <laughs> that would not be my failsafe. You know what I mean? No, no. But so together they had children. Uh, they had Keone, the goddess of snow, who sounds like a good time gal. That's adorable. That Keone, I know the goddess of snow. Yeah, right. Like hey, girl. Oh, very you sweet. know, she seems real chill. Um, they also had Cleopatra, not that Cleopatra, because <laughs> it turns out that was actually like a super common name. Oh. Uh, and the Boreades. I know, right? Like, uh, well, when I found out about that, I was like, wait, what? Like, Cleopatra Why did that go was... out of style? That We should still have that. It's a nice name. It's a pretty um, name. But the thing is, apparently the Cleopatra that's, like, famous is, like, actually Cleopatra, like, the seventh. Like, she's, like, yeah, not even. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, a thing. They had two brothers who were twins who were known as the Boreades, named after their dad, which meant Wind Brothers. And they were named Zetis and Calais. And they were exceedingly beautiful. They're very soft boys. <laughs> <laughs> and they had long, delicate hair, and their hair apparently gave them the ability to fly. Hey. Oh, nice! Which it made me, it made me think of the little girl with the braids and Matilda. Yeah. <laughs> like they do that to each other, and then they take off like they the blades off, of yeah. a chopper. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or like their curls like whip around like propellers. I don't know what happened, but basically that's the whole thing. Which I thought would end up being a Samson and Delilah kind of thing, where like, oh, tragically they got their hair cut off, and then they couldn't fly anymore, and then but they no, got thrown out. It. They just flew. Would around you say forever? their hair is feathered? Oh. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll well, everybody, it's been a great yeah, run. No, I'll yeah. Out, the uh, end. Sorry, sorry, mom. Sorry, God. <laughs> We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah. So the thing is, is that it's like, oh yeah, whatever. Why are we talking about this? There's just these like two jerk off minor gods. Turns out they are actually two members of the fucking Argonauts, like Jason and the Argonauts. <laughs> and they save this old man, and then they're finally granted their fucking wings. <laughs> The pretty oh. boy wing, uh, wind brothers? Yes, and I don't know what happens to their hair. Are they like a, like a, what's that called? Like a bi-propeller plane? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> two propellers? Oh, 
Oh my god, yes. amazing. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Her hair goes into retirement. <laughs> yeah. That, well, now we have braids. We just, you know, we kind of no, threw it yeah. back. We don't care. They're, now they're like the ponytail brothers. Up like, to, hey. up to. Yeah, the ponytail brothers. I like that they, they both had center parts and each side of their hair had to flap. And then when they got their wings, yeah. it's like, finally, I can get a two thirds in here. <laughs> or, or it could be that they were just like assholes with top knots. Could have been. Oof, that oof. could have absolutely been intense. <laughs> Interestingly, another little thing, Calais, um, who I'm assuming may have been the prettier of the two, uh, <laughs> was actually the beloved of Orpheus, the legendary poet and musician. Oh. Like, so Orpheus straight up went into the underworld for his girlfriend, but he, after she was gone, he had, like, one great love, and it was Calais with the beautiful ah, hair. Windy, windy boy, yeah. So the, yeah. Windy, the windy brothers just had a great little time, They it did. sounds like. I they guess so. <laughs> Fucking Beckford with the good hair, I guess. I don't know. All um, you need is good hair. So we've got <sighs> Notice, um, who's the Southwind, and apparently was, like, a real jerk, because basically all he was was, like, Summer, summer winds, storms, and what could destroy people's crops. So he was not necessarily <laughs> everybody's favorite. But his Roman equivalent was named Auster, A-U-S-T-E-R. And this is the source for the name of Australia, which means Ooh. the Southland. I'm sure that the indigenous people there love choosing that name for themselves, right? <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> Shots fired, Australia. Um, so uh, then we have Eurus, who's like honestly the least important one because technically ancient Greece only had three seasons. So a lot of people feel like Eurus was just added later because he's tied to autumn, which they didn't technically acknowledge. He's associated with the winds of storms. And because the sun rises in the east and he's the east wind, it said he lived in the palace with Helios. So whatever, he's an add on. Um, and then we have actually the one who's in the most mess, which is Sapphiris, which if you are a fan of Hera and Madonna, you remember Ray of Light. She says like Zephyr in the sky. In the yeah. first lines of Ray of Light. So Zephyr is the West Wind. And so the proper name was Zephyrus, the West Wind. Wow, you really tied that. You really tied that together Yo, nicely nice. there. Yeah. In a goddamn nice. bow. Good work. That's what they came <laughs> yeah. <for>. um, <laughs> Zephyrus was depicted as a handsome winged youth carrying a basket of unripe fruit. He's called the gentlest of the winds and the messenger of spring. It's said that he may have been married to oh. Iris. Iris, I've already talked about, but I'm just going to go on about her a little bit more. She's super cool. She's the counterpart to Hermes, but on Olympus. She's the messenger of the gods, but she travels by rainbow. Rainbow. Check. Yeah. Yes. Love and she it. has a sister whose entire embodiment is the double rainbow and can only show yeah. up when there's a double <laughs> rainbow. Yep. And apparently her sister and her did not get along and her double rainbow bitch sister fought with the Titans and they got her ass handed <laughs> oh, her for it. Shit. Oh, we will get into that next week. The rainbow sisters facing off is going to be my favorite part of the fucking <laughs> Titanomachy. Facing off. It's proto face. fucking gem in the holograms. Let's be honest. <laughs> totally. Okay. He was either with Iris or he was with Chloris, who he gave the domain of flowers, and they had a child who was Carpos, which is fruit. And then he also apparently fucked his sister, who was a harpy named Padargi. And yeah, but wait the, a second. But like everyone's fucking their sisters in this, right? Oh, I that's mean, fine. But that's this is part's the normal. wind. This oh, is the oh. wind <laughs> fucking a harpy, and she gives birth to two horses. Yeah, well, that's weird. I mean, it's weird when your kids can just be horses at random. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like two plus purple equals ice cream. Like, why not? Like when we were kids, there was a thing called kitty surprise and puppy surprise. And like you pulled babies out of the pup, like the stuffed animal's belly. But it's like it's like that. But you could just pull anything. It's like a it's like, the you know, playing roulette. Like, who knows what's going to pop out? It could be anything. It's a horse. <laughs> no, no, no. 
We got we got this. Like it's okay. So run like the wind. Okay, so there's wind. What runs well? Horses, right? Harpies fly in the wind. Wind plus harpy equals horse. Yeah, sure, Easy. Whatever. Boom. We have to get horses somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I'm like 100. percent That would not have made more sense with birds, but that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the bird lady would not have given birth to birds. I totally get your train of thought. I, it makes sense. Yes. Um, so here's the thing. Why am I talking about this? Is it because it's funny that they gave birth to horses? No, it's because those horses were apparently the baddest, the most badass horses on earth. Because they became the legendary horses of Achilles. Oh. <laughs> so they could run like the they wind. They were great horses. <laughs> yes, they were very good horses, Strange and they had a long but... life, and they they never went to the glue factory. So. Oh, it's a happy story. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, P.S. The virus is a giant dickhead, and we're gonna get into why in our Apollo episode. But he's like a petty, spiteful motherfucker, <laughs> and actually is really bad. So anyway. Um, <laughs> I like the people having the best lives so far are, are the Wind Brothers and these two horses. Yes, they're doing great. Well, also, one of their children was just fruit. No, yeah. I don't know if that's a god of fruit or was it basket a of banana? fruit? banana? Yeah. Yeah, because all bets are off at this point. I don't really know. We have no idea. Oh, that's awesome. Listen, you're against it, Daphne. You're the one who that's brought up awesome. chat baby roulette. I don't really know that <laughs> necessarily. You pulled a human child out of a kitten. I don't know that that we necessarily have guardrails for this conversation now. It could be anything. It could be anything. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Just to, to get to be a really famous horse, or that's a it. I want to be the famous could, horse. For sure. It could be horse. anything. Let me do another quick tie-in. Echidna, mother of monsters, would be played by Lady Gaga in our stage play because she's mother monster. Yeah, and her art pop could be anything, meaning she'll give birth to literally yeah. anything on stage. You're welcome. I will be here all night. This is a new um, religion. <laughs> this is a new religion. I'm just, I'm just building a cult. We're really, that's a what this whole religion. podcast is about. Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay, so those are the wins And then Eon Astraeus actually also had The Wandering Stars Well, what the fuck are those? That's what the ancient Greeks called the planets So, we've got some simple Uh, ones Yeah, they called Saturn, Phanon Nothing They called uh, Mars uh, Pyroes or Mesonyx, which means midnight They called Mercury Stillbon Which continuously tried to autocorrect to stillborn which is fabulous um <laughs> aka hermeon which obviously brings in hermes yeah. and then you have these other two so the stories about jupiter and the stories about venus are pretty interesting so first of all we have jupiter which is phaeton in some tellings he is not the child born of astraeus and eos but was created by prometheus and it's said that zeus and hermes competed for his love but in the most common myth he's the son of helios and as a youth, he gets teased by some of his playmates because this is how this shit always starts. And they're like, your dad's not really Helios. And he's like, oh. And so he goes home. And he's like, mom, my dad's not really Helios, is he? And she's like, no, he absolutely fucking is. I had sex with a god, I would remember. And she assures him. And he's like, that's not good enough for me. So he leaves and he goes and he somehow, as a child, finds his way up to the heavens, to the palace of Helios in the fucking sky and shows up and knocks on the door and Helios apparently doesn't have a butler because Helios answers and is like um hi and he's like are you my dad and he's like yes I am your dad hi welcome do you want to live here with me and he's like that's not good enough prove to me you're you're my dad and I'm sure Helios is having second thoughts now and could easily just yeet this kid out into the fucking ocean but doesn't 
and he will regret that. <laughs> so Helios is like, all right, fine. I swear on sticks. <laughs> Remember, that's an unbreakable oath. All hell will fucking break loose if he breaks it. So he swears on sticks. I'll give you whatever you want. Make a request. I can only, you know, I'm only doing that because you are my child. He is like, cool. <laughs> I want to drive your chariot across the sky. Which, P.S., for those playing the home game, that's the literal fucking son. And this, like, seven-year-old <laughs> is like, son. I want to yeah. drive it. I want to drive the son. Right. And, of course, <laughs> Helios somehow did not see this coming and is like, oh, um, that's not going to work. Like, you really need to pick something else. Zeus himself can't even get these horses under control. Like, I'm <laughs> honestly hanging on by a thread. I'm drinking to sleep. I don't have a good life. Your mother left me a really long time ago. My entire <laughs> life is about these goddamn fire-breathing horses and getting the sun across the sky, and it is a dangerous job. You don't want to do this. And the kid is implacable because he's a fucking piece <laughs> of shit little piss baby. And so he's like, no, I really want to do it. Oh, I really want to do it. And so finally, Helios, who's apparently good for nothing, relents and is like, okay, fine. Because he's he's like, yeah, cool. I promised you anything on the river sticks and we're all going to fucking die if I break my promise. So fine. Here we go. So he lets him do it, which great. So the next morning, Phaeton launches into the sky from Helios's palace and immediately, what happens? Oh, he loses control of the fucking horses. Who would have seen that coming? So they immediately fly up into the sky way too far away from Earth and everything freezes and then do a nosedive because the horses apparently have no will to live. And so they go straight for the ocean. <laughs> but they go off course and basically as they're getting closer and closer to the earth they're just scorching everything everything is threatened with the possibility of being set ablaze and so zeus who apparently was like asleep during this entire fucking debacle <laughs> wakes up at the like, last what minute the fuck <laughs> Somebody, a parent, Hebe, who we're going to learn about later, by the way. Hebe is a goddess, and her entire job is being the cupbearer. She has nothing else to her name. She's literally just the cupbearer for Olympus. That's all she does. She holds cups. So I'm assuming what it's the- her job when he's wasted and asleep to shake his dumb ass awake and be like, hey, the, er, the world is literally on fire. You need you to wake up. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I, in my head, that's how it worked. Um, Zeus basically is like, cool, and like thunderbolts the fucking chariot to like prevent everyone dying. I like that that's his solution. He's just like, I'll explode <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing too, right? Like once you're the king of heaven and you have lightning bolts, like I'm pretty much gonna look for an he opportunity. Does. He uses so it's all like, the time. Yeah. It's like when you get a brand new knife and you're like, "Sick, I got a knife. I'm gonna open cans with it and I'm gonna use it as a screwdriver." Okay, um, you guys open this door. So, like, so if this is too geeky, <laughs> it's your fucking fault. The Etruscans predated the Romans and they had a lot of interchange with the Greeks. And hmm. a lot of people, and we're going to discuss this in our Olympian episodes. I'm going to give you the real truth about the difference between the Greek and the Roman gods because it's like a big passion of mine. They're not the same. They don't just have different names. But Tinin or Tinia was the Etruscan equivalent to Zeus and Jupiter. Okay. And he hmm. had thunderbolts. But he had multiple kinds of thunderbolts, and he could only use them in certain circumstances. And his most destructive thunderbolts, he literally had to get the permission of two different councils of gods to be able to fucking destroy something or somebody with those thunderbolts. That is so much better. That is such a better the system of codes. governing. But fucking checks and balances, <laughs> checks and balances bitch. That's bitch. what it's yes, all about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, come on, lash him with the order and checks and balances. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically, you know, Zeus 
bolts this the the chariot. Uh, Phaeton falls to the earth in a great ball of fire, scorching it and everything that is around it. Now, it's said that Helios was so grief-stricken at the tragic death of his son, who he just met, uh, that he <laughs> refused to fly his chariot. I'm sorry, I'm annoyed by this. Um, and then he refused to fly in his chariot again, leaving the world in darkness for days. However, the gods convened, kicked him in the ass, and got him back on his job. Uh, it's also said that Phaeton's seven sisters, the Heliades, uh, mourned his loss, keeping a vigil where he fell to earth for so long that I guess the gods got tired of it. It says they took pity, but I think the gods were just annoyed and turned them into poplar trees and turned their tears into amber. Sweet. Pretty and useless. Um, so, well, because <laughs> like the amber thing, right, is like yeah, sap. Yeah, once it's been makes like sense. It goes with the trees. Sonified for a really long time. Right. So I guess that kind of makes like, it the, the 80s. It's thematically nice. It's poetic. But like, why poplar tree? <laughs> the thing about this story is it has an aspect I haven't told you yet. And that's because it's a little bit controversial. The Greeks said the crash happened in Ethiopia. And so it was used by them to explain the origin of black people and the landscape of North <laughs> Africa. They said that... So, okay, look, there's a lot of really crude explanations in primitive mythologies that are ancient to explain, like, people who look radically different than you. Fine. Mm. I don't think that we can immediately be like, that's racist, because that's, like, our modern connotation and all of that. But I don't like the next part. How did they become black? <laughs> Was it just the fire? No. Apparently, the sun approaching the earth caused their blood to rise to the surface of their skin and then burned it and made them black. I mean, they weren't that good at science yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Clearly. Yeah, but it's also like, I, I know that Ethiopia was actually just their word for Africa. Yeah. Like, it's not even specifically That's Ethiopia. So it's yeah. just like, what what's going on over on that continent? And then two, it's like, most of what they would have had access to of Africa was a big ass fucking sun village of desertness. Mm -hmm. um, so like, it's like, yeah, it's pretty, it's crude. And like, it's like, what are you talking about? But at the same time, how, you know, how else would you describe melanin based off of a myth? You know, well, interestingly, uh, for people that you melanin comes from Greek. Oh, does it? Oh, that makes sense. And it yeah. means black. And there are several goddesses that have an aspect where they are like blank goddess name and then melanoia or like melan. Me like, yeah, I've seen. Like there's that an, word there's before. an aspect of Aphrodite that we'll talk about in her episode where she's Aphrodite melanoisis or something, which is like Aphrodite the black skinned. Mm. Mm. But every time that you see that, it's like they carve the statue out of ebony. Oh, oh, sick! So it's meant to be like literally, literally. like, yeah, like pitch black, dark night black, like supernaturally right. black. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And there's also like really no negative connotations to it either. Like whenever there's like a goddess of that aspect, it's not like ne really negative. Interesting. It also makes me think of like because I know like the Egyptians in their like hieroglyphics and stuff, like their use of color wasn't like skin tone. It was like sim symbolic yeah so like black would be like the silt of the nile or like creation or something like that and I, I don't know the time periods and things of this like when these things would have been interacting but it does make me think of like the greeks kind of interacting with the egyptians and seeing like some of the artwork and stuff that's going on there yeah. and i wonder how much of that like kind of translates into the way that they started to conceptualize like color in their art and stuff i think i would have to look at the 
earliest tellings of this to be able to determine. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm honestly sure it probably did have an influence because, like, there was a staggering amount of cultural exchange between Greece and Egypt. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it would make sense. So, yeah, so that's the whole thing about that. <laughs> My big takeaway um, from that and- entire story, though, is that, like, that kid is a little, like, rich boy brat. Like, I feel like the beginning <laughs> of that story is the plot of Joker. It's, like, where he realizes that... Batman's dad is his dad and he goes to his house and is like, you know, tries to be claimed by his like his like rich dad. But he, you know, it's just like every bratty kid that's like, I should have grown up rich because my dad abandoned me. My like rich, wealthy, you know, like asshole dad abandoned me and then wreaks havoc because they're sad about it. It's just like a, it's just like a bummer of a story. Yeah, I mean, I'm listen. I'm all about any sort of like Aesop's fable where the moral is like men are trash, water is wet. Like that's yeah. fine with me. <laughs> it kind of is you that know, at any age. <laughs> and then it just kind of makes the last thing on the because I now I'm, I'm making connections with the sun and thinking about like the Kushites and Nubia and their like influence over Egypt toward like moving up the or I guess like down the river north. Um, and so like the dark skin of people who worship the sun, um, and then like the Greeks coming in or, you know, to interaction with that. I wonder if that has anything to do with like that story's crafting, you know, like they're, they're like, they really fucking love the sun over there. <laughs> so maybe the sun crashed and that's why they're, hmm. you know, dark and able to resist the sun. I think it definitely makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So the only other planet that we have is Venus and Venus was known as Phosphorus. Um, the child that we're talking about in this lineup is actually known as Eosphoros, which is interesting because there was actually multiple names for Venus. There was Phosphorus, the morning star, but also Hesperus, the evening star. Remember the Hesperides, who were like the nymphs of like golden mm-hmm. evening and twilight, right? But there was also Eosphoros, which was the dawn bringer. And this, of course, was named after uh, his mother, Eos, the goddess of the dawn. Now, it appears that the Greeks believed for a significant amount of time that the two appearances of Venus, the dawn star and the evening star, were actually two separate celestial bodies. They figured it out at some point, but we really don't know when because the myths stayed distinct. They didn't get merged. Mm. Um, And in fact, the phrase Hesperus is Phosphorus actually became used in the philosophy of language to address issues around like the semantics of proper names, which is wild Mm. to me. Yeah. Um, but one more thing about Hesperus. Remember last week we talked about Hymenaeus, who was like the Erote, whose name means bridal him, and who is where we get Hymen from? Well, mm. he was depicted as a beautiful winged androgynous figure with soft skin and, you guessed it, luxurious hair, carrying a basket of walnuts, <laughs> roses, marjoram, and pomegranates. And his primary lover was Hesperus. Primary because he also was the lover of Apollo, Argenis, Thamiris, Dionysus. Got around. But... Wow. Um, This would have been fine, honestly, except Zeus ruins everything. So I don't know why the fifth lover was the last straw, but apparently Dionysus was just like beyond the pale for him. So Dionysus falls in love with Hymenaeus and Zeus loses his shit, becomes jealous, and then causes one of Dionysus's arrows to strike Hymenaeus dead, which was both petty and wildly ineffective because Dionysus apparently was like nonplussed and immediately revived him with magical wine and some ivy. Wow. (laughs) That's like a handy trick. (laughs) 
I kind of love that, like, there's no tragedy. <laughs> like, yeah, the arrow yeah, strikes him, like, and Dionysus is like, oh, whoops, shit. <laughs> like, walks over and, like, <laughs> gives him some, This is, like, some, like, true blood vampire diary shit where, after a while, like, death just really doesn't mean it anything. Just, it doesn't mean anything anymore, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, not at my party, asshole. Right. <laughs> um... Yeah, so they had one more child that was not a, uh, a planet or a um, wind, and this was Astraea, the star maiden, who takes after her father, Astraeus. And she was the virgin goddess of justice, innocence, purity, and precision. And it's said that Astraea was the last of the immortals to live with the humans during the Iron Age. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're actually going to go really in deep on the ages of men and the various ages of men next week, so hold on for that. But... It said that she fled the wickedness of man and, and ascended to the heavens, transforming herself into the constellation of Virgo. And Astraea was really good duties with Dike, who was the goddess of justice. And that is why the constellation Libra can be found next to the constellation of Virgo. And there's a lot of people that surmise that they were more than just gal pals. That's weird because I'm a Libra and I do not get along with Virgos at all. Well, if they turn themselves into constellations, I don't think it's because their relationship was going great. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd rather be a collection of stars than hear you talk about how I washed the dishes wrong. Right. You know, exactly. it's, yeah. And that's a, that's a very Libra thing to do. I'd rather be an aesthetic than hear you complain. It's it kind is. of an ultimate Libra power yeah, move. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Also, just because I'm like a nerd for etymology. Uh, so far, we've discussed Asteria. Astraeus and Astraea, all of whom deal with the stars, and that is why we call the little star that you see that indicates there's some fine print you better fucking read, we call that an asterisk, and that comes from the ancient Greek asteriskos, oh which means God. little star. Oh. Yeah, it's so cute. It's pretty adorable. <laughs> so, next up, we go from the sky down to the ocean, which I know is Vince's favorite place <laughs> to be. We have Oceanus, and we have Tethys. So, Oceanus, it, this is kind of interesting. Oceanus, you would think, was the ocean. That, that's what I thought. Um, no. Turns out Oceanus <laughs> is the titan god of rivers and is the brother and husband of Tethys. Because, okay, so Oceanus and Tethys would have a lot of kids. They would bear 3,000 Oceanids or river nymphs and 3,000 Potomoi or river gods. So, they had 6,000 children. What? So many. <laughs> They are busy. But actually, I had to look this up because I was like, is it really 3,000? And if it is, these fucking fish people better be laying eggs by the country <laughs> because otherwise, Tethys is never going to recover. So um, I actually looked into it. Turns out in ancient Greece, the number 3,000 was used colloquially to just basically mean like innumerable. Like today we would casually say like, oh, a fucking million or even a like of that. Yeah. a billion, you know? And, and so that's basically how it was used. The thing about Oceanus and why it sort of makes sense for the ocean is that the ancient Greeks believed that there was a great river that encircled the entire world. And that is what they called Oceanus. So you have the Oceanids, who are the river nymphs, and you have the Potomoi, who are the river, river gods. The Oceanids, interestingly, didn't always even... They didn't have, like, a defined role very much, and they kind of weren't always even tied to water. Like, most of them were minor deities, right? They're just the personification of, like, a river, a stream, a spring. But some of them are actually pretty heavy-duty. Like, do you remember we talked about Styx? Yeah. yeah. Styx was literally the oldest and most important of the Oceanids. She is a river, right? So that's yeah. cool. And then you also have 
have Metis. Metis was an Ocean Edge. She was the personification of intelligence and was the first wife of Zeus and the mother of Athena. So the thing about the Ocean Edge is they don't often play like a major role, but they have a pretty consistent presence in the myths. They are the ones who sing to Prometheus as he's punished, comforting him. They're the companions of Persephone in the underworld. So they, they're kind of always around, which is why they do actually have one official job. And I didn't mention it earlier because honestly, they seem like nice ladies um and knowing that this is their job makes me think less of them because they're obviously fucking terrible at it they're supposed to protect the young and if you've ever heard any greek myth that's not going well that never ever happens they're always no. like you're getting kidnapped no. yeah it's horrible i guess unless put directly into a river a kid lands on the banks it's like ah a few more inches i could have saved yeah. you technically your own land sucks rip their protection of the young actually happened um they were appointed by zeus to do this and it was under the authority of apollo and artemis because the the general protectors of the young were apollo and artemis later on um apollo protecting young males and artemis protecting young maidens so they basically were like a fact of life sailing was such a huge thing so sailors would regularly venerate them and pray for blessings or assistance on the water in fact during the epic story of the argonauts there's this elaborate ritual that they do where they make offerings and libations they offer flower honey and ocean water to the oceanids and they sacrifice bulls to the ocean gods beseeching their protection on their heroic journey and then you have oceanus's wife tethys who Guess what? Has no major roles in Greek religion or mythology. She just basically is super uh, iconic because she's like the oceanic version of the great mother. Like she's ocean Gaia. Yeah, but she was also, she was depicted in art a lot. Like there were mosaics of her found all over the place in baths and pools and fountains, pretty much anywhere that there was water. The thing that I think is really interesting is that like she was a contender and so was Oceanus for like primal couple in certain tellings where it wouldn't have been like chaos or Gaia and Aranos. It was actually supposed to be like the primeval waters, which were kind of like how last week we talked about Kronos and Anonki time and inevitability mm-hmm. being like the birth of everything. Yeah. There was an alternate telling where it was like, Oh, it's, o- it's Oceanus and Tethys. And this actually gets referenced a lot. One of the times that it gets referenced is um, Hypnos it's described Oceanus and Tethys as Genesis for all. I do want to make a quick note about Hypnos. So we talked about last week. Cause we were like, yeah, he's chill. He's just sleep. Cool. It's kind of a double edged sword for me because he's always depicted in robes of black and white which is like a major fucking aesthetic that no other god has and i'm super into it but he's also like a major fucking creep because apparently he was so infatuated with his lover endymion that he spelled his eyes to remain open while he slept so that he could quote enjoy the delight of gazing upon them continually that is so evil yeah it's real that's the meanest thing what This disturbing little anecdote is actually the source for hypnosis name being used as the root word for hypnotism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just which is delightful. (laughs) It's like you could be cool, chill Thanatos or you could be super creepy hypnos. And it's just not fair. You know, Thanatos is out here doing honest day's work. Hypnosis is out here creeping around. Super weird. <laughs> I feel bad. Because, like, Thanatos is what you kind of want. Like, Thanatos shows up and is like, all right, you know, you had a good run. Um, it's a gentle one. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's time to go. It's completely peaceful death. No, no problems. Let's go. And people are like, oh, God. And it's like, 
Bro, this is Greece. We have like 12 kinds of death and all of this them are worse the than only me. Good so one. like, yeah. you yeah. made out like, really please. well. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, please just get... Just get in the fucking get in. chariot, I guess. <laughs> please. <laughs> all right. Well, what do we think about the Titans that we discussed so far? How, how are we feeling about them? Got any favorites? Got any ones that you would never want to near you? <laughs> <laughs> it is making more sense of like, putting together like the Greek world kind of like how they were picturing the world. Like the Titans do fill in a lot of like kind of conceptual information about that. I think mm-hmm. I really like the star asterisk um, gang. Yeah. The asterisk gang. Um, I like that a lot. I think, yeah, that whole like star. Yeah. I don't know. Like the uh, control of the stars as well as like um, divination and sleep and dreamings and stuff like that. It's just really interesting. I agree that it's helpful to see how they, since this was like sort of something they created to kind of fill everything in, it, it is interesting to see how they saw things. I mean, it is so much like the world around you is starting to make sense between winds and sea and stars and, you know, planets. And it's just sort of like everything that you look on and the things that are around us, you know? And it's also maybe a little less scary to look into nature or look into the vast, like, sea and then kind of think of there being, like, a thing associated rather than this just giant kind of abyss of water. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they had a lot of anxiety about the sea, which is why there's fucking 6,000 something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, every every ounce of it needs to be named in order for me to not feel absolutely I mean, terrified. I have a lot of anxiety around uh, big bodies of water, too. It's creepy down there. I, I understand. <laughs> um, so, everybody, we had a really fun time breaking down the first half of the Titans with you. And in doing so, we realized this is a doozy. So we want to make sure that our runtime isn't like, you know, back in the day when you would try and watch Titanic and it would be on like (laughs) the VHS (laughs) box set. We don't need to be doing that. So we're going to go ahead and end here. Then we will pick up in part two where we will discuss the rest of the Titans and some really fucking cool myths that I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy. Especially if you enjoyed Agdistus last week. I have something for you that is going to blow your mind. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so out of the Titans, we already picked with the Primordial Gods. Whose house are you going to be a part of? The Eos team sounded pretty fun. Eos? Oh, yeah. Rosy Fingers? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds Rosy like fingers. it. Which that one is the like one that's the personification of hate? Oh, Styx. Oh, oh, yeah, that's of your course. Vibe. Six is that totally, is vibe. of course. Uh, how can I forget? Six is like my obsession now. I'm like completely in love with Six. I love it. I feel like I'd probably be a stri- like House Astraeus. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Eos and going to hang out on Lesbos, but I'm super about like, I, I feel like I would really get down with Asteria. I mean, Astraea, I think she's really badass. I think Asteria is really badass. Yeah, I'm, I'm Stargang all the way. Stargang, yeah. 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 (laughs) All right, cool. So we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. We really enjoyed being able to tell these stories for you. And we look forward to seeing you in part two. And then, of course, check us out next week when we will talk about the introduction of the Olympians and the War of the Titans. Woohoo! Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be good. (laughs) We wish you the best. We hope that you're enjoying the beginning of 2021. And we are so glad that you have joined us for this podcast. We look forward to many, many more. So for now, from us here at When God Was Queer, to you at home, wherever you are, be gay. Do crime. crime. The gods are always always watching. watching. (laughs) Bye. Bye, guys.